0: Is this thing on? Okay, yeah, very good. Thank you, Evie. Hello, everybody. My name is Solly, as probably all of you know that. Um, So, uh, this is the last Friday night service of this year. Next week's Christmas, and we're not going to have one on Christmas Day, unfortunately. Nah, it's okay. Um, So, I have the privilege of speaking to you uh, on the last night of the year. That's not pressure at all. Uh, Sweet. (laughs) Sweet. I'm just going to get this prepared. I don't even have a Bible up here. I really should have bought a Bible. Great. Well, considering the time of year, I thought that I would uh, speak tonight about a little holiday called Christmas. Um, Now, there it is. The title of my sermon tonight is Why Christmas? Even Jesus is a little bit confused there. Uh, Why Christmas? And um, in preparing for tonight, I I went over all the little Christmas sermons that I could come up with in my head. And I decided tonight that I would talk about the reason for the season, which is totally unique. Um, No. I had a lot of questions about um, Christianity, a lot of questions about why we do it, and about Christmas as well. Um, And I have been pondering those questions for a little bit, and I thought I'd share them with you tonight. Um, But first of all, I just want to jump in with some fun facts in some fun fact Friday. I think it'd be fun to do that. Um, Did you know that Jesus' birthday most likely isn't even on December 25th? What? Crazy. I'm sure most of you knew that. Um, But yeah, we don't know exactly when his birthday is. There's some speculation, but it's definitely not December 25th. Um, There's a very small chance it is. So that myth is busted. So Some of you probably already knew that. Another fun fact about Christmas. The three wise men... We're not actually, you know, the ones that gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they weren't actually at the Nativity. They actually met Jesus possibly years after he was born, when he was maybe two years old or whatever. They weren't actually there with the shepherds and with Mary and Joseph on the night. So that just throws out all your Nativity sets right there, or at least changes them a little bit. And uh, fun fact number three who loves Christmas traditions? Who loves the tree and the stockings and the ornaments and the decorations and the presents? No hands for that. Cool. Okay, there we go. Um, did you know that none of these things originated, as traditions originated from Christianity? So these are, these are not really fun facts. They're kind of really, really sad facts. Um, so what happened to Christmas then? What do we have left? I, we still have Jesus left, but what's 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 all this stuff in the middle? Why are we, uh, why Christmas, right? Why why do we even celebrate it, right? And so I had a lot of questions about that, like what's up with all these traditions? Where do they where do they come from if they're not from um, from Christian faith? Well, is is Christmas just a a ripoff of pagan holidays? Who's heard that one? That Christmas is just a is just a copy of pagan traditions, pagan holidays from way back. That's a common argument you'll hear. Um, I had a lot of these questions, and I kind of boiled it down to three tonight, so it would be easy to remember. Um, and I'm going to talk about each one uh, as in-depth as I can get to try and answer these questions, because I think Christmas has, um, has more significance than we even think about it. I think it's more significant than just remembering Jesus' birth. I think it's much, much more significant, and I'm going to dwell into that tonight. So the question number one that I have is Christmas legit? Is it legit? What do I mean by that? Is it like, does it have you know gravity? Is it should we be celebrating it, or is it just this culmination of a bunch of traditions and you know pagan holidays and all these things and other nations that have chucked into it? It's just a mess pile of holiday seasons. Or does it actually have some grounding in it? So I'm going to um I'm going to expand on this a bit. Um, here's the argument you'll hear from anti christians That's non-Christians, I guess. Um, people who don't want Christmas to be about Jesus. The argument here is that Christmas as we know it dates back thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years into uh, a, specific, um, a specific event. Can anyone tell me what significant event happens around this time of year that isn't Christmas? The winter solstice. He got it. Or if you ask, the summer solstice. Um, but who cares about the summer hemisphere? We have no grounding there. So the northern hemisphere um, is the winter solstice. Now, that's been going on for years. And back thousands of years ago, people didn't have these ancient traditions. They were the ancient traditions. And they originated from what happened in the sky because basically they didn't realize that the sun was a big ball of fire and the moon was a big rock. They just thought that they were gods and they thought that what happens in the sky had significant, and it does, we realize now weather and seasons, but they thought it had significant spiritual and religious impact upon their land. And the winter solstice was this one. So for those of you who don't know, I've got a diagram of what it is. Um, basically, it's when the earth had at a certain tilt when it's the most winter it can get, when the sun it is the shortest day of the year. So that's what, that's what the... Um, uh, winter solstice would look like in the Southern Hemisphere, not the Northern Hemisphere. I'm jumping around here. But the idea is still the same. It happens in both. Um, and so north, Northern Hemisphere's winter solstice is December 21st. And back in the day, um, ancient days, people would celebrate this because it would mark the end of the sun's journey down the sky and the beginning of the sun's journey back. And so they would celebrate it saying, great, we're now moving into a new sort of season here even though it's sort of right in the middle of winter we've realized but it's sort of to mark that and fun fact our calendars are loosely based on that fact because people towards the end of the year would celebrate the winter solstice and then when the sun would come back up that's when the beginning of the year would come another fun fact that one was actually fun this time so this solstice was a symbol of new beginnings and um, all these things would come together and they'd celebrate with a huge feast and so uh, all these different civilizations would do this, including Rome. So Rome had a special, a special holiday, and they called it Sol Invictus. It's a pretty cool name. It means the sun is unconquered. And so they had a god, Sol, um, who they, <laughs> who they uh, named after the sun, Sol, or the other way around, um, and they believed that this was their god's birthday, which makes sense because the sun is now traveling back up the sky. And uh, they said, look, the sun is unconquered. He always comes back. And they celebrated that as, a, as a, their sort of, um, uh, you know, celebration. It was their Christmas. It was their Christmas. You know, the sun has risen, funnily enough. So right now this doesn't look very good for Christmas because Christmas is right in that time and there have been plenty and plenty of, of these traditions and even Rome, which is where Christianity's kind of started spreading in that Roman world, had this holiday. So it only makes sense that the early Christians took this holiday and made it their own, right? Is that true? Like Ravi Zacharias would say, not even close, not even close. This is not true, but this is what people would like you to believe. Now, the winter solstice is at that time, and there were definitely celebrations, but the Christmas we know doesn't come from that. It actually doesn't have anything to do with the winter solstice, which is pretty interesting. Um, The early Christians actually believed that Jesus' birthday was on December 25th. And they calculated this because uh, they believed that when a prophet of God died, they would have died on the same day that they were conceived. And so nine months after that day would be their birthday. And Jesus died. They could figure that out because they died right after Passover and they figured that out to be March 25th. And what's nine months after March 25th? December 25th. So that is how the Christians got to the date that they did, all right? Now we know, like the fun fact I said earlier, that Jesus wasn't born on September 25th. And I can get into that a little bit later. But they believed that he was, the early Christians, all right? They believed that he was. And... Sol Invictus, which was December 25th, was decreed a religion and a festival in AD 274, 274 years after Jesus' birth, um, whereas the Christians calculated Christ's birth probably in the early 200s AD. So this is just a few facts just to sort of get get it straight that Christians didn't copy anybody when they... uh, when they got to their Christmas date, right? So, if anyone ever says, "Oh, you know, Christmas is just a copy of pagan religions and all of this stuff," um, know that that's not the case. That Christmas is actually very unique, and we started it. So, how about that? Besides, it wasn't the character of early Christians to take on the celebrations of the Roman of a Roman deity. Even the Bible says, "Be in the world, but not of it." Uh, John talks about that in one of his letters and he was warning the Christians about this. The Christians wouldn't have just taken on this holiday and been like, yeah, we're going to worship this sun," but maybe we'll also make it about Jesus. That wasn't their goal. They didn't take something that wasn't about Jesus and made it Jesus, although that's not a bad thing to do, but they had this from the get-go. It is more likely that the Romans created their festival to try and drown out these Christians. Now, all of you probably know that in the early days of Christianity, the Christians were massively persecuted. Like they would be, the Romans would be killing them left, right, and center, and the Jews, actually, Uh, be killing Christians, be, you know, forcing them to go into hiding, to to run away from their countries. People would be disowning family members that became Christian. Uh, We live in a very lucky time now where that doesn't happen in our country, but it still does happen in some countries. The Romans really didn't like Christians. They hated them. And partly because Rome was a polytheistic society. I'm getting into a lot of history here, but I'm getting somewhere, so stay with it. This is very interesting. Um, Rome was was a polytheistic society, meaning they had many gods and many religions and many cults and things, and they were fine with all of them as long as they recognized that the Caesar, Caesar, the emperor, was Lord. As long as they recognized that, that he was one of them. If they said, oh, yeah, Caesar's a god too, but we worship this god. Oh, that's fine. that's fine, As long as you said that Caesar's a god. Um, And the one exception they had was the Jews. Now, the Jews said there was only one god, but the Jews weren't really a threat. They were in their own little community, and they, they sort of let them do their thing as long as, you know, they didn't cause an uprising or anything, which is exactly what happened with Jesus. But the Christians were a bit different. They didn't stay in that one zone, and they only had one god, and they preached a very, very strong message now, to a Roman, the idea that there was some Jew who died and rose again, proclaiming himself as the one and only God of the universe and starting the first monotheistic and international religious movement in history really would hit a few nerves, considering what they believed about Caesar, that he was that. And if you said, uh, Jesus is the one and true, uh, one and only God, Caesar is not God, we're not going to bow to him, that would cause a little bit of strife, right? Yeah. So there's no wonder why they tried to drown them out and tried to persecute them. So why then is Christmas so much more of a big deal now that we, know or that we have this sort of context? Obviously, they didn't, they didn't, it didn't work in them trying to stop Christianity. It actually became the religion of the Roman Empire, the Holy Roman Empire, and that led to a few different problems, but that's not this sermon. Uh, but I've noticed that today the world is beginning to pull a similar trick to the Romans. That rather than just try and say, "Oh no, they can't celebrate, they can't do this," they've instead adopted it as their own and created the lie that Christmas is somehow inferior or came after what they say. If that makes sense, so you'll see it—you'll see it everywhere. You'll see it in movies. You'll see it on little slogans in songs, even some of the Christmas carols. Uh, that you know, Christmas really is just all about family and and love and it is about love and his family but more to it but they'll say that's what it's about you know and they'll try and adopt this this christmas message make it really nice and and we I, i'm a bit guilty of doing this going like yeah it is you know just about you know your family it is just about you know joy and in, in, in experiencing this but that's not the truth christmas isn't about that that's not the core of it that is a part of it love family Friends, presents, that's a part of it. That All these traditions are a part of it, but that's not what it is. That's what it's about. Um, And so I say all this just to sort of give a little bit of a warning that history can repeat itself in that sort of sense. Now, no one's taking this and saying, you know, this is and persecuting all the Christians in the world and saying, you know, you can't celebrate this. But it is happening culturally. And so I just want to keep a little bit of a, 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 remind you to keep a little bit of a keen eye to this sort of stuff because it's so easy to get lost in the Christmas Stuff. It's so easy to get uh, distracted, and uh, this is probably said every Christmas time at church. Don't get distracted from the real reason of the season. But it's so true. It needs to be reminded every year because it is such a big deal in media and in culture. Christmas just bombards you with stuff, and every single year, without a shadow of shadow, uh, shadow I said shadow, shadow of a doubt, it will block. Well, it has for me blocked the Christmas, and every year I have to dig through and find it again the meaning of why we do christmas so is christmas legit yes it is a hundred percent legit and it's ours you can take ownership for christmas it's not you know some different cultures it's not it's not uh and it, it is open to all cultures that's what christianity is but it's not borrowed it has value it has weight to it christmas um so just keep that in mind when you can so what is the meaning of christmas the meaning of christmas Oh, I was meant to show a slide there of the Grinch because you guys remember that, um, remember that scene from the movie where he's like, you reject your own nose because it represents the glimmer of commercialism. Why didn't I think of that? That's just quite, kind of what I thought about when I, um, when I was thinking about you know, culture and commercialism and Santa and presents. The Grinch had it. He knew what was up. Anyway, that was just for fun. There was no other reason. So what is the meaning of Christmas? What is it all about? Is that my next... Sort of point there. Back in, and more history, back in ancient the ancient world, there would be autobiographies of really, really important people. Jesus was one of them. We have four autobiographies of his. Can anyone tell me what they are? The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, not autobiographies, biographies, what am I saying? Biographies. Jesus didn't write them. Um, but there would be biographies of these really famous people. And what they they'd be a little bit different to our biographies today. In our biographies, they tend to just they tend to find try and find as much about their life as they can and focus on every aspect. And the major ones obviously they spend more time on. But there's some they they wouldn't leave out stuff if they could leave it out. But back in the ancient world, they left out a lot of stuff, particularly their birth. The birth of someone in the ancient world was not important. It barely had any significance. And that's why, if you look at the Gospels, how many of them have the story of Jesus' birth? Two. Two of them don't even mention it. John talks about uh, the light of the world and the word of God, and slightly, but it doesn't talk about the details of his birth, and neither does Mark. Mark jumps straight in. But um, Matthew and Luke do. And, and they don't even give much detail to it. Whereas Jesus' death, and not just Jesus, but any uh, significant person with a uh, written life's death, they would talk extensively about it. And that's why all four Gospels talk extensively about it. And, not, and that's not to say that Jesus' death was insignificant, because we all know that wasn't the case. But the birth of someone really just didn't matter. And that was because the birth didn't really reflect who you are. I mean, this, uh, this is just a message to everybody. The circumstances of your birth don't actually carry any significance to who you are, if that makes sense. Whereas the circumstances of their death absolutely do because they would have died for something or they would have died in a way. Does that make sense? Is that, why they, that's, that is why the ancient world viewed this. In Jesus' case, it's a little bit different because the circumstances of his birth are absolutely a reflection of who he is and what he came to do. Let's go into some detail about that. So there's a few things about Jesus' birth that, that are very detailed in the Gospels. Number one is the virgin birth. So I have a slide here. The virgin birth. This was prophesied way back in Isaiah. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. It is a supernatural intervention. Obviously, that's something we don't hear about here. But uh, we heard about it once in history and also carries a bit of significance in terms of another thing. When it comes to the ancient world again, the bloodline was always traced through the Father was always traced to the father it even is in jesus's case they trace through joseph even though joseph technically doesn't have any technical relation to him if you think about it um, and i think that is why god chose a mother to carry jesus obviously because mothers can only do that but god could do anything um, everyone's seen what's that movie with arnold schwarzenegger junior <laughs> um, uh, but i think what god did here is he said you know what we're going to flip this on its head. It's not about who Jesus' lineage is here on earth. It is about what his lineage is in heaven. God didn't care so much about w- what kind of great people Jesus came from, and they do refer to him as the, the son of David from Joseph's side. Um, but God kind of flipped the script in that aspect. Does that make sense? He flipped the script there. He didn't, he didn't sort of cater to what we, they believed at the time, that it was just the father. Who carried on this sort of lineage here? Um, the second thing I noticed is he was born in a manger, which really is not like the Nativity scenes show this beautiful sort of thing with clean hay, and this is sort of like, oh, that would be a nice bed, it'd be kind of comfy. You just tuck your baby in there, so wrapped in these really nice cloths. And it's just a nice little night. I can imagine it was a pretty cold night. I can imagine it was a pretty brutal night. I can imagine that that manger wasn't necessarily a really clean thing, but a feeding trough with a lot of gross stuff in it, uh, something you would not want to put your baby into. It was a really humble place to be born. I think the only humbler place to be born would be a toilet. Um, Luckily, Jesus wasn't born in a toilet. I don't think they had proper toilets back then. But he was born in a manger, and it is such a humble beginning. Now, Jesus, he's the king of the world. And when you expect the king of the world to enter the world, his first time entering the world, you expect a palace or a temple or some really extravagant thing. But Jesus is born in a manger. Completely humble. Completely flips the script, right? Next thing. He was born in Bethlehem. Now, what other biblical character was born here? David. I don't know who said that. Um, David was born here. It's very significant. It's his hometown. It's symbolic of Jesus reclaiming the throne of Israel as the king. Um, Isaiah 9, 7 says, Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The Bible prophesied that he would be born in Bethlehem and that he would take the crown. He would sort of take the kingship of this thing forever and ever and ever and ever. And that really reflects who Jesus is. He was a king born in a manger, born very, in very humble circumstances. And the last one, and I think this one is really significant, is that shepherds were the first people to meet him. Why did God reveal Jesus' birth to the shepherds first? In the Bible, God is described as a shepherd a lot, even in a song that we sung tonight. I mean, it's that clear. The Lord is my shepherd. He's described so much, especially in the Psalms. Here's a few of them. Psalm 81, uh, no, Psalm 80, verse 1. O give ear, shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. You are enthroned, you who are enthroned above the cherubim, shine forth. Psalm 95, verse 7, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand today, if you would hear his voice. Psalm 79, verse 13, so we your people and the sheep of your pasture will give thanks to you forever. You get the point? God is like a shepherd and the reason is because shepherds, as they were known in that time, would lay down their own rights and their own dignity to care for the sheep. Jesus did a lot of uh, said a lot of parables, um, and some of them included shepherds in there and how the shepherd would, for instance, leave the 99 and go searching for the one, he cared about every single sheep. And uh, he also uh, talked about being a good shepherd and how a good shepherd would not let his flock um, be taken by robbers. So a shepherd is very symbolic of God. And likewise, God's very symbolic of a shepherd uh, because God himself laid down his own dignity and his own life to protect his flock. And the Israelites saw that as them, the Israelite people. And so it's so significant that the shepherds were the first ones to see him. Incredibly, incredibly significant. It makes sense that those who reflect the character of God would Here on earth would be the first to see his birth, right? So what do we deduce from all of this? Well, I deduce that Jesus is God. That the fact that all of these things happened and they were all so significantly tied in. They were prophesied. They really reflected the humility of God the, the, and they, they touched on a lot of language that had to do with God like shepherds, like um, like being a king over Israel for all eternity. People believed that that would be God. They didn't think it'd be the Messiah. They think it'd be God, which would do two different people in their minds. So Jesus is God. He is the coming of Yahweh, restoration. And this is why... We celebrate Christmas and why it is such a big deal See, Easter, right? I always thought that Easter was the really Christian one Easter was the one where, yeah You definitely, definitely go to church on Easter Because it's about Jesus and the eggs and all this stuff It's, it's about Jesus It's very much Jesus-centric he, he died and he rose And it is It's celebrating the event that Jesus died and he rose again There's a bit of like a feast around that But Christmas is a reminder of something else through the circumstances of his birth, we can see why he came. See, he didn't just come to die. Okay, that is, that is a portion of what he did. It is super significant, but that's not why Jesus came. The, 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 the death was a means to his why, and his why was to bring the kingdom of God, to turn the world on its head. Why was he born in a manger and not in, in, in a palace? Because he was flipping the script. Why were the shepherds the first to see him and not these really rich kings? Because he was flipping the script. He was turning the world on its head. And he was, from his birth, he was a baby. He didn't know what he was doing, God, but God did know what he was doing. Um, but Jesus, he was just a baby. But in that moment, God chose in his, through his birth to show immediately why he came. And that was to flip the script, to completely change how things are done and how things are viewed, to change it completely. It wasn't about status anymore. It was about love. It was about God loving his people. Christmas reminds us that the gospel is not just that Jesus died for you. It is about how Jesus completely flipped the script. Does that make sense? So can you see how Christmas is starting to, we're starting to dig through and uncover that real significance. We're not just saying, happy birthday, Jesus. Yay, baby Jesus in a manger. We're not just doing that. We are really remembering the why. Why is he here? Why did he come What's going on there, right? And so this comes to my last question. This is where it all sort of culminates here. How should we as Christians celebrate it? Because just going back to the beginning, we have all those traditions and stuff. Okay, I haven't really covered that yet. So what's the, what are we doing with all that? How do we celebrate it? Do we just have a big worship service about God and, and all that? Do we just go street preaching? <laughs> um, so let me just talk a little bit about this, how should we should celebrate it, how I think we should celebrate it. So I want to talk quickly about a thing called Yule. Who's heard of Yule? If you watch Harry Potter, it's the Yule Ball in year four. Yeah, that's part of it. Uh, in the song, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, make the Yule tide gay. It's, it's mentioned a lot, and that's because it was a Nordic winter solstice festival, funny enough. Um, the, the the Norse would celebrate this winter solstice in much the same way that all those other ancient traditions did, that the sun would set and that it would come up, but they more celebrated as the conquering of winter. Because you can imagine being up there in those tundra Hills or whatever it is, the the really cold places that the winter would suck. It would absolutely suck. But they would celebrate this sort of peak of winter because they were now exiting winter. Does that make sense? Who here has seen Thor? Yeah, I have too. Uh, it is a very good movie, very good series of movies. Avengers. Um, it's based on as. Pretty much everyone know On Norse mythology And everything I'm about to I'm about to tell you A little bit about that Who's, Who likes mythology Like Greek, Roman Nor- Like all this stuff Who played Age of Mythology When they were a kid And you'd play All that thing I would just type in The cheat codes So I can get Really Anyway um, So I'm going to say A lot of words in here That you, you'd probably be like Oh yeah that's from Thor <laughs> So you've just got to Try and just Connect that if you can um, Basically In Norse mythology There was a, The world tree They called it Yggdrasil. You probably heard that word from Thor. Um, It was the world tree. Everything in the universe was a part of this tree. You had Asgard up the top. It was the heavenly realm. You had Midgard. You had the seven other realms. And you had all this other stuff. Um, And then you had the Bifrost, which was what we know as the Milky Way. They thought that that Milky Way was the pathway to other worlds. That's what they believed it to be, the Bifrost. Fun fact. Um, And so there's this... uh, Tradition that they knew to do with Odin and to do with all this all this stuff. They believed Odin. Who's you heard of Odin? The guy from Thor, Thor's dad. Um, what's Anthony Hopkins? Just imagine him as I say this. Um, he was very, they, in tradition, he was a very humble man, very humble god. Um, and he really cared about his people in Midgard, in on earth. That's just sort of context there. So Yggdrasil grows out of the well of Erd. This is just a a script I found. Um, A pool whose fathomless depths hold many of the most powerful forces and beings in the cosmos. Among these beings are the Norns, three, I don't know that word, maidens who create the fates of all beings. One of the foremost techniques they use to shape fate is carving runes into Yggdrasil's trunk. The symbols then carry these intentions throughout the tree, affecting everything in the nine worlds. Odin watched the Norns from his seat in Asgard and envied their powers and their wisdom. And he bent his will toward the task of coming to know the runes. Since the runes' native home was in the well of Erd, which was the base of the tree, with the Norns, and since the runes do not reveal themselves to any but those who prove themselves worthy of such fearful insights and abilities. This is the cool part. Odin hung himself from a branch of Yggdrasil, pierced himself with a spear and peered downward into the shadowy waters below. Sound familiar? He forbade any of the other gods to grant him the slightest aid, not even a sip of water. Now that sounds kind of familiar. And he stared downward and stared downward and called to the runes. Now, that sounds very familiar to a story we already know about Jesus on the cross. Even some really small details there. It's crazy the, the the parallels you find here. It's funny, like, fun fact, Jesus is older than Norse mythology, so there's that too. So why am I telling you all this? Well, missionaries, like, does everyone get the parallels there between Odin and Jesus in that story? Everyone can see that, how he sacrificed himself. And uh, I didn't have the rest of this, but he once getting these runes, he started to use it to help the people of Midgard, to free them from the things that these... Um, these maidens down the bottom of the well, there were putting up on them, right? So Odin used it, he sacrificed his own self in pain, refused to take any aid to do that. Now, we're not the only ones to notice this. The missionaries to these Nordic countries became familiar with this mythology and they noticed the parallels too. And they were really confused. They were like, did they copy that from, from the gospel? Because that sounds very familiar to the gospel to me, right? And so they noticed these. And so in evangelizing, what they did is they used the celebration and the people's beliefs to create a bridge between the Norse people and the gospel. Can you imagine being one of these Norse people who believes this and hearing that there was an actual, oh, there's the world tree there, by the way. Oh, I missed it. Um, the, can you imagine being one of these people and hearing that there was actually a man who was God coming down to earth. He, he uh, descended down. He hung himself on a tree, was pierced suffered so that they could have life. That makes total sense to someone from these times. It just fits. And so they would go, oh my gosh, there was an actual guy who did that. And these missionaries would evangelize to them and lead them to salvation through this. And through all of this, Yule started to transition from this holiday about defeating winter and the sun coming up to a holiday celebrating Jesus. Yule became Christmas in that sense. And that's where we get our trees because they would bring in these evergreen trees because that was a symbol that winter can be defeated. Um, They would also hang apples on the trees, and that's where we get our ornaments, by the way. But even further on, presents and Santa, all this stuff originated from Yule, which became Christmas. So were all these things originally Christian? No, but they became Christian. The parallels were there. See, God has planted the seeds of his gospel into the everyday worldviews and beliefs of different cultures. I know sometimes it doesn't seem like that. Even, even today's cultures, secular cultures, not even religious. But God has planted the seeds of his gospel, just like he did with those Norse people, the, the Nordic people, um, just like he did with them. And he's done with many, many other people. He has planted seeds of the gospel in people's hearts and in their worldviews. And so our job as Christians is to find these bridges, Right? My mom does it all the time. Whenever we're watching a movie, she'll say, you know what, that just really testifies to the power of Jesus. Uh, and she would almost cry at times, uh, talking about how Harry Potter was very reminiscent of the sacrifice Jesus made for us. Um, and I used to be like, "Mom, stop, let me just watch a movie. I don't want to have to think about Jesus when I'm doing this. But I've come to realise that that is absolutely something that we should do. Because throughout Christmas, there are plenty of things that bridge towards the gospel. Some directly, but some very indirectly. And so um, Elijah does it too, runs in the family. Christmas movies, and he'll just notice these things and just say, this is reflective. This story is carried on from stories of the Bible. And I used to just be like, yeah, you're saying things. But I've realized that it's true because God has planted into the hearts of people these beliefs and these worldviews that we as Christians can take advantage of and say, hey, you know what? Just like you believe this, Jesus did this. And they connect. And that's how people get from where they are in their worldview to the gospel. I mean, the alternative way is a debate, is an argument in saying, actually, you know, Jesus isn't real because of this or that it has nothing to do with Christianity. And you say, actually, you're wrong and I'm right because it absolutely does have to do with that and, and all this sort of, sort of other stuff. And that doesn't get anywhere. But when someone says, or when someone displays their worldview and you say, hey, that actually connects in this sort of way. Or did you ever think about this? Or did you ever think about this, how Jesus uh, came to die for you? There's a lot of examples on that, but I just thought that 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 Norse mythology one was a really good example because it completely changed their whole mythology for a lot of their people. And we adopted some of that into our Christmas. So when you're hanging up the tree, just (laughs) when you're doing all this other stuff and you're remembering these traditions and you think about snow or winter or whatever, just remember that the reason we have that is because some people found in other people's worldviews the gospel and bridged the gospel to them. So this Christmas, how do we celebrate Christmas? I think we need to be looking at how we can take the good news to people where they're at this Christmas and even just beyond this Christmas. We can have a look at this wonderful message of Christianity and the gospel, how Jesus came to flip the script. He began to turn everything around and we can say this bridges to a lot of things. and in Western culture, I mean, I had a lecturer, his name is Rick Watts, and he talks about this a lot. Um, the, the world we live in today is the most Christian the world has ever been. It's hard to believe. But things like love, compassion, you know, uh, putting others above yourself, unconditional love, you know, the, the little guy uh, being uh, what, the, the underdog, you know, that sort of story, all of that stuff wasn't a thing, It wasn't a value in the ancient world before Jesus. Like if, if you try to make an, an argument based on compassion, people would laugh at you because that wasn't a thing that they did. But Jesus changed that completely. And now even in the secular world, people make that argument. You hear it all the time in the news. Sometimes it's twisted and sometimes it, it, it doesn't make sense. But that's it's a Christian thing. And so more than ever today, there are bridges to the gospel everywhere we look in people's worldviews. And so rather than try and say, this is the gospel message, take it. I think it's much more effective. I think that's the way that God has done it is he's planted seeds in for us to notice and say, hey, that sounds very familiar and begin to open up a conversation of bridging that gospel. So in all these three uh, questions, I hope that I've given uh, a good enough answer to sort of help us for this Christmas season, at least to dig through and find the root of it. And just so just to sum up, don't let the worldly, secular clutter of Christmas take you away from its true meaning and purpose, right? I said that in a different order. Second, remember why Jesus came, and that is to flip the script, completely change how we do things, to turn the world on its head. Remember the gospel. I'd say, just a side note, be really familiar with your gospel. I mean, when someone asks you, if someone asked you right now, what's the gospel? Would you be able to tell them coherently? Would you be able to bridge the gaps between our culture today and the gospel culture back then just ask yourself that and see if you can and read like you've got four gospels to choose from (laughs) find the message behind that and remember what jesus did and remember the key things and so you'll be ready for that sort of stuff always have an answer i don't remember the full verse but i think it's in peter something to peter and then finally this christmas think about the bridges you can create that was an accident um think about the bridges you can create Think about how you can take the gospel to people where they're at and not where you're at. Think about how you can create these bridges rather than just taking your belief and saying, this is right, you're wrong, and just trying to shout louder than everybody else. Because this Christmas, just like every Christmas, people are going to try and just like the first point they're going to try and put their own worldviews in it say yes you can celebrate Jesus but what it's really about is you know just how much people can love each other well yes but we can only do that and we can do that as a reflection of God's love for us okay so they're the, they're the three things I wanted to talk about it was all a bit of a clutter of different things in facts. I did a lot of study trying to trying to put this together um, I hope it helped you I hope it was a good end to the year um we're just gonna I'm just gonna hand over to Brody and we're just gonna sing a fun song and finish up for tonight.